Esports is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. And this is the podcast where we talk all things branding, marketing, sponsorship, and events. I'm Rebecca Langawa, founder of Happy Warrior, and I'm an esports brand builder and strategist. Join me as I discuss the world of marketing and esports with some of the top experts in the industry. Welcome to the future marketing in esports. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Future of Marketing and Esports. I'm your host, Rebecca Langala, as always. And today I have a really fun guest, um, Adam Booth from Prize Picks. Adam and I, we actually met on an app called Twitter. Uh, it's like a really great uh, 120 characters or less app that we just got connected and started talking about esports and sports betting. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thank you so much. Actually, we just to refresh your memory, Rebecca, we got uh, introduced because I heard you as an expert on a different esports podcast in the spring of this year and thought that, boy, that person really knows what she's talking about. I wonder <laughs> if one, she's available for, you know, contractual, like giving advice to uh, an esports marketing noob like myself. Or two, if she knows people that might be interested in, you know, the company I work for. So that was, it was actually from hearing you on a similar podcast to this that I felt I needed to get to know you. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it because I have learned a lot, but I need to learn more from you. So Adam is a director of strategic initiatives at Prize Picks, and Prize Picks is a daily fantasy sports app um, working in both sports and esports and uh, the esports vertical, obviously it's the future of marketing and esports is, is where we usually intersect. So my first, my first thing I want you to really illustrate is what is the difference between like what people think about traditional sports betting and daily fantasy sports? Like what is the, like the, just to me, are used interchangeably all the time. And I just don't, is like sports betting us big, is, is it the square and daily fantasy sports is like the rectangle. So like the rectangle is a square, but a square is not a rectangle. How That's does it work? Mean. Yeah. Yeah. Do, 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 does one live within the other? Yeah. Or, or, yeah. The answer is no, but I, that's a great question. And to be honest, I feel like I should share this podcast with any esports companies that I'm, that that you know PricePix is is working with or or will be working with because I have to cover that question every single time because it's confusing. So the, the United States is unique in that sports betting has been banned for the better part of the last 20, 30 years. And that started to change when daily fantasy sports came to town. And the, the reason being that, you know, it was seen as, well, this is kind of like gambling, but it's also skill-based and it's heavily involved in sports, does it fit into certain definitions that exist already that cover it? Or because there's a salary cap component, is this a completely different entity? And then you also involve the, uh, this is not through brick and mortar casinos or sports betting shops like we have in Europe. This is all digital, all online. You know, there's no, you, you don't go into any retail outlet anywhere in the United States and say, I would like to place this lineup of DFS players. So 
Sports betting uh, in 2018, the Supreme Court reversed a prior, and I forget the actual legal terminology for it, but pretty much what they did is they said, no, the ban on sports betting is going to be removed and individual states are going to be allowed to put in place legislation that allows sports betting operators to cater to the American sports fan. That is separate than DFS. DFS was allowed to exist through all of these years prior to 20, 2018 and sports bet the, the resurgence that we've seen not even resurgence the the advertisements and the in your face caesars DraftKings, bet mgm there's i mean there's 20 something points bet there's a ton of operators right now in the states and 27 states i checked you know just last week i believe 27 states currently have legalized sports betting however with dfs you can pretty much play it anywhere in the United States. And the difference in terms of markets is DFS looks primarily at player-based lineups, whereas sports betting covers everything team-based, everything spread-based. So, you know, it, you, the the Cleveland, Cleveland, Cleveland Cavaliers playing the Boston Celtics, you know, Cleveland is, you know, a, a bottom third of the league. They're going to be eight-point underdogs against the, the Boston Celtics. That's a spread-based sports betting, I guess, area. DFS, it might look like you, you know you have certain. I don't. I don't know. By the way, why I'm using basketball as the sports bet. I should be using esports because <laughs> I'm not a. <laughs> I'm not a basketball guy in the least. But it's just you know lots of basketball fans. But let, let's let's take Team Liquid playing Damwon in the League of Legends World Championships. You'd say, well, Damwon's top three team in the world, Team Liquids, you know, the best NA team or top two NA, but really they have a kill spread, a kill handicap of eight and a half against Dam One. So they need to come within eight kills. That's sports betting. DFS looks like player base. So you would take Alfari and you would say, okay, in his matchup against top laner Dam One, who is going to sort of win that lane? And based on the points at the various DFS outlets, who is likely to go and, you know, cover and, and deliver the, the prize pool. With prize picks, we have a, a, something called a single player fantasy category where you connect players into an entry. And if you hit them all in sequence or hit a variation of them in sequence, you get your prize payout. So it's us, uh, it's, it's the player versus the projection rather than player versus player, like you'd find at DraftKings with the salary cap thing. So to answer your question, this is a long-winded opening answer, but it's a great place to start. Sports betting and DFS are are two, it's a rectangle and a, I guess, triangle, if <laughs> but they both exist in the sports gambling area. Yeah, right, I guess right. that's the best way to put it, yeah. Got it. I always, I don't know, it's so confusing to me because mm-hmm. I, I can never distinguish like between the differences between the two right like i obviously like well especially when DraftKings and FanDuel actually do both they both they do both fantasy and sports betting interesting yeah and and that's been why those two companies are you know got the head start that they did was because within the continental united states they were able to they, they have been advertising their fantasy product for five years, six years, seven, maybe more. So there's a familiarity with their product. People that had good experiences with their daily fantasy product, when the sport, the DraftKings and FanDuel sports betting came to town, well, we'll sign up with them. We know that brand. So why wouldn't we sort of at least give them our first deposit and then we can explore after the fact. 
so you, but you guys just live in DFS. That's right. Which is daily fantasy sports. See, I learned things. There, yeah. That's, DFS. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's really overwhelming. I mean, I get invited to like everybody, right? It's it's the era of like Zoom conferences. Yeah. And I've literally listened to like two different sports betting or game, you know, gambling conferences. And it's very similar. My brain reacts very similarly to, to NFTs right now okay. as, as it is, uh, as I do in this case, where it's like, I kind of get it, but I could not, I couldn't now go articulate this to somebody else. It's still so many things are like, boom, 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 you know? And okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that, like, that's me a bit too. Yeah, that's that's absolutely me a bit too, and, and that's a great analogy, especially with NFT being a t- very twenty twenty one mainstream thing, if, if you can even call it mainstream. Because, and but actually, similarly, I, I, I was reading something earlier this year where it's they took a poll of people who were first time NFT owner. I guess owner is the, the correct term, and the percentage of those owners who could actually communicate what at the technology behind what they owned was very slim yeah, percentage. That's me. That's yeah. me. That's me. Yeah. Literally. Like they, and they I, were I comparing. Somebody was yeah. asking me about it. And I was like, finding myself fumbling over words. And like, I could tell that they couldn't understand what I was saying. And I was like, yeah. I thought I knew how to describe this better. And they couldn't see, which was my first thing. Like, why would anybody want that? Right? Like, yeah. and I don't know if you just saw Gary Vaynerchuk's NFT collection at Christie's auction was like $1.2 million. So it was like yeah. last week, the week before. Like just Banana. Yeah. So the the comparison that I that resonated with me was the NFT the, the way people struggle to explain blockchain NFTs crypto is similar to when people were tasked with explaining what the internet was twenty years ago, which mm. is how how do you you know there's so there's so few industries that are actually involved in I mean right now every industry basically touches the internet in some way. Right. So right. everybody has a concept of where it can be found, how the technology works, what physical properties are needed. I, I'm like you, Rebecca, I have no idea the, the physical things that are needed to, to get involved in crypto and to, other than, you know, dabbling, uh, downloading an app, making a purchase and then selling it, you know, X amount of months later. I mean, yeah. even my girlfriend's mother bought some Bitcoin in December of last year, just on a whim. And I forget how ever much growth Bitcoin had this year, but I was just, I was saying, you know, Francesca, this is fantastic. You know, she's in her sixties and it's just a fun little thing that she heard about and decided to dabble with. And she's got a nice little nest egg now, if she wanted yeah. to, you know, sell it and, you know, whatever, but I, yeah. So going back to the DFS thing, I mean, I've been over in England the entire through the entire DFS boom. I've never actually played DFS personally. Obviously, I've I've had a different route to it, but sports betting and esports betting has been my life pretty much through most of my adulthood here. So it, it's with the DFS side, it's a very new thing on the esports front, and that's why Prize Picks has such a nice little niche within a niche. You know? Yeah. Well, and you know, like. Working in pro sports, we weren't allowed to do sports betting. Oh, right. Yeah. And they had this call line called the silent whistle. You could like whistle blow on people and like tattle. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. The silent whistle. Is that just within um, like your your club or is that the like NBA? Worldwide? It was oh, like an wow. NBA thing. You had to like sign oh. this 
thing. There it was like a lot of stuff hanging over your head. If you were, I mean, honestly, the, the sharing of information that you're entitled to, you know, I would know sometimes I would know sometimes even from directly from players that they were going to ask to be traded or that they wouldn't, they weren't going to, they weren't going to sign a contract before the team knew they weren't going to sign a contract or wanted to be traded. Right. So I've always been somebody when I built out my brand, when I left the Timberwolves, I kind of, that's when I created happy warrior. I, I almost called it smoke screen. Like that's my Twitch name smoke screen. Cause it's like another military, another military term. And I really feel like that was like, I had to have a, I had to be a smoke screen. I had to like, you have to keep your mouth quiet. And so I always just like kind of ignored that space, never really got into it. And even like my boyfriend's neighbor said, asked if um, we wanted to come over because I thought he was saying they were having a fancy football party, fancy, like oh. <laughs> dress up, but it was a fantasy football party. So I was like kind of bored when I got there. I wanted the fancy <laughs> football party. <laughs> in a sitcom, you show up in full, like, like I don't know, dressed, I don't know what you would be dressed as, uh, I guess, uh, a, a punter maybe. Um, and, and, and you'd be sort of like, yeah, this is how I celebrate fantasy. And oh my goodness, my fancy in football world. You would have done that, Rebecca. That would I mean, who knows? Funny. Whatever. I'm not. <laughs> I'm smart in a lot of things, but I'm not. I don't know everything, friend. Well, you think anyway, you also yeah. you're not going to go to your brain isn't natural. If you're not involved in fantasy, your brain is not going to assume they said a fantasy football party. Um, yeah, and there were so. all guys there. I was like, this is stupid. But the food was but good. Your boyfriend's so happy that you were excited to go to. to- <laughs> Oh, I'm so happy you're in, engaging in something I'm interested in. I was like, yay! Yeah. <laughs> and I were going to watch football. No, it was not. That was not the party. But anyways, uh, that just goes to show that I've been disconnected from this world. But it intrigues me. And obviously, being in esports and understanding hyper-connected community is like, mm, I just love it so much. And when you think about the sports betting community, I mean... Rick, my boyfriend is like, he has conversations with this old timer, Randy in his neighborhood, like every single day about what games they're going to bet on and all the stuff and like more traditional sports side and, and with some of his other friends, like it's, it's a way for him to get excited and get engaged and, and share things with his friends. Right. Like I, I totally buy in and I completely understand it. And I want that to be my fans experience in esports. I want, I want this hyper-connected community talking about our matches, talking about what's coming up, sharing with each other, what their insights are and, and sharing, you know, what their picks are with each other. Like to me, that is, that is building a very deep sense of trust, community, loyalty amongst your fans together. Right. So I totally buy it. Like, I think it's, I think it's really cool. Like what esports are you guys in? It's, it's limited right now. Right. Yeah. But it's growing all the time. I mean, so we started off with smite in 2019 and that was based on some Atlanta-based relationships that PrizePix had. And those relationships are still very intact. And we're, we're always looking to maybe get back in that. Because I think Smart, I've watched it a few times. I think it's very engaging. But again, there has to be a way to come up with good numbers that 
you know, are, are realistic that, that the people that engage with those projections are saying, Hmm, that I don't know which side I want to take, you know, that maybe, so that's part of it. And then we offered CSGO and League of Legends when the pandemic hit. That's when I came on board. And then at the start of 2021, we expanded with offering COD, Valorant, and Rocket League. And then this past week, my one of my personal favorite esports is Dota. And this past week, we got in touch with a, a video team that drew together on very short notice a a little intro that we were going to be putting it up on our, our board, a little bit of a, a short introduction to what the scoring system was. It was uh, one kill or one death or one hero level equals one point. Super simple. So if you watch League of Legends, you've watched Valorant, you watch any title, you know what a kill looks like. It's very easy to understand. That is one fantasy point. Math, like there's no math involved. It's it's equals. And we absolutely, so Dota, the international started on Thursday, surpassed all expectations for what we would do in terms of interest from our player base. I w- was so happy to see it because I personally want to see Dota be hugely successful in North America. It kind of has, you know, tread, treaded water for a bit over the years. And of course, it, it really struggled with the North American audience during the pandemic. And, and that's partly because the North American scene yeah, the, the the professional and semi-professional scene is just not, anyway, that's a whole other thing. But so we are offering six titles right now and we are always looking to expand and, and stay true to us ourselves being home of North American esports DFS. Six at the moment though, yes. Awesome. You know, one thing that's really different between traditional sports and esports is like in traditional sports, you've got these titles, you have these, these games, these sports that are like, have longevity, right? 50 years, 25 years in the WNBA and like hundred years in NFL or whatever. Right. They're not going, they're not like going away, but with esports, games wane and ebb and flow in popularity. Right. And there does run a risk of like a game kind of fizzling out and then other games becoming really popular. Like how agile is is the DFS industry and like prize picks specifically, like how, how, what is it, what is it to do something like layer Dota in? So that, I mean, you're absolutely right. And if we think about the big three esports and sports betting right now, it's CSGO, League of Legends and Dota. However, you know, and I get asked this quite frequently, why are we not offering Dota? Obviously we are fatigued. I've been asked this, prior because it's it's a clear absence from the sports betting i guess uh, package uh, that most esports data providers sell to the sports betting operators why are we not offering uh, offering dota well because we have to specialize in our region and within the north american region league of legends is bigger than dota it's not clear i mean globally that's that's a pretty uh, yeah, yeah. clear statement but especially within north america additionally there are certain fps titles that kind of in in viewership can in within North America can rival Counter-Strike. You know, Counter-Strike is huge in Europe. It's huge in, you know, Russia and the Ukraine and Eastern Europe. But in, within North America, it and it's not bad in North America. It's just that Call of Duty does very well. Valorant just popped up on the scene. You've got Overwatch. You've got Apex Legends, which is, you know, more Battle Royale. But the, the point is that You've got a number of very engaging shooting titles that Rainbow Six, you know, I can't yeah. disrespect them. So in terms of 
titles sort of, you know, Counter-Strike has been thought to be killed or a dead game for various periods going on two decades. In, in terms of needing to be versatile as a DFS operator, there's not a huge risk to, you know, creating a, a, a model and uh, collecting some data and using statistics to come up with a projection and then trying to, I mean, as an operator, we have every reason to try to offer an engaging product and then set the limits based on the liability um, of our member base or of uh, certain matches or certain leagues. So it's not, it's not, not like Smite is a good example. You know, if we can't offer a good product, we can't offer engaging product or, you know, we're, we're bleeding money on it or whatever the circumstance could be. We don't need to put it up there, but we have many other options. So one, one other title that we haven't offered is Overwatch. And if you looked at the Overwatch finals, you know, at the end of September there, it was the only, it's, it's the viewership of the, the finals between Atlanta and who was it? I think it was Shanghai or it was a team in China. The viewership was like 40% of what it was for the Overwatch finals two years ago or three wow. years ago. Wow. And you say, you compare that to League of Legends or to the CSGO major coming up, that they're going to be blowing out their records. So most of what I use as criteria is, can we reliably say that they're, this is a mainstream game in the current dynamic of whatever genre and reliably say that people that are interested in uh, making entries with our product with it can find the information in the streams and so that's we can be yeah. very versatile though very right. versatile but it follows like viewership mostly right because that's the engagement model like i i feel like if if you didn't know anything about esports and you were building out a fantasy app like this, the, the first, the, the, the most, like, I don't know what the right word is that I'm trying to look for. Like the most obvious thing you would do, or like the, what you would think is low hanging fruit is to do like 2k and Madden and like FIFA, because people are used to betting on that traditional sport, but yeah. newsflash, those aren't very fun games to watch people play. Right. They're just not like they're fun to play, but they're not fun to watch people play. I know this because I used to fall asleep on the couch watching um, my son play those games years okay. ago when he yeah. was kind of in into playing some of those with friends. Roman will play a game just because other people are playing a game. You know, he likes the community yeah. aspect of esports. But yeah, like they're not super exciting to watch. There's not a ton of strategy. And I remember at U.S. Bank Stadium here in the Twin Cities, they did X Games a couple of years ago and they okay. layered in an Apex tournament. Cool. And that was awesome. Like what I, I had not watched somebody play Apex before and quickly got invested, like hard really? to break away because you're thinking about the strategy and like what you would do or what what's working. And then, you know, yeah. and then it, and it's like, repeatable right like yeah. ooh, like what what strategy are they going to use to gain high ground or whatever the thing may be um, gamers intuitively appreciate what the the pros are doing it, it, anybody who's played cod can watch a professional call of duty team go to work and say wow i wish my buddies that i pugged with on a friday night could coordinate like that or you know, have accuracy or do a flick shot like that. You don't have to explain the talent that is on display 
at an esports event to anybody who's gamed before. Right. That right. It, it's just it, it's the same way you know when you talk about how fast a pitcher can throw a fastball or you know the accuracy or the the route a wide receiver takes or how difficult it is to you know do a three sixty dunk in the NBA. You you physically know you can't do that, but right. everybody not everybody sort of older generations can kind of assume oh well I have the dexterity to push you know, those buttons on a, a keyboard or, or um, a controller, or I can move the mouse left and right. So if I just put enough practice, I could do it. They don't actually know that having the intelligence and reaction time of some of these esports pros is actually rivaling the an NHL goalie or an MLB batter. So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Like it, it, you, you, if you put top level esports on display, anybody who has seen that or played a similar game will get engaged very, very quickly. I absolutely agree with you. So how did you kind of get into this, get into this space? And, and like you're Canadian and now you're in the UK and now, and then you're moving to the U S like in whatever, however many, like your journey's got to be remarkable. Like how did you get to where you're at in this career of yours? Um, Yeah. So one of my, my greats sort of got remarried at 50 years old. And she left her her job in Vancouver, Canada, uh, with her new husband, who's British. And they just decided to sail a, a bunch and move to uh, move to uh, Singapore and China and Saudi Arabia. And you know they went all over the place. And when I was in in 2010, I just finished my first degree, which is a, a teaching degree, and decided to do a little backpacking trip with some friends to Europe stopped at her place in uh, Cornwall in England. And she sort of just said, use your 20s to sort of explore. Like, yes, you can advance your life and put some goals down, but why not see if you can do these things abroad? And so, yeah, I, I came to the UK for law school in 2013 and 2012, maybe. and No, 2013. And after finishing law school, I couldn't work on the visa that I was on. Uh, I was a student visa. So I decided to resume sports betting. And one of the trading sites that I belonged to, they were sharing some esports stuff. And I had seen like professional Halo before. I'd seen professional StarCraft before, even Counter-Strike. Like I tuned in for matches, but it was always out of like novelty. It was never like, this is something that that has a, like has any potential for me or for uh, esports. Like I, was ne- I wasn't thinking at all in terms of like, Oh man, this is really going to take yeah. off. Yeah, like this is this is the next big thing. I wasn't it wasn't that big. It wasn't that big in my own mind. I just thought, hey, maybe I could find an edge how to beat these lines, so I could maybe put away a little bit of money while I decide. My girlfriend is still in nursing school. While I decide what we're going to do next, you know, at, in a year she graduates, then maybe we move to Canada, I pursue law, whatever. It was just a small thing. Go on a few years, and I was esports betting as a side income. And I got asked by a contact in the sports betting industry if I would come and do some esports writing. He worked for a crypto book in Eastern Europe and crypto books were some of the first, well, the crypto industry and the esports industry has a huge overlap between people. It, it, you know, yeah. Yeah. you know, early adopters, just people wanting to engage in new technologies and novel things and digital things. And so he was very aware of how big esports was within his own book that he worked for. 
What, what so year was that about? I'm curious. That was, that was 2017, late 2017, early 2018, I believe. And so he got me a job writing some esports articles, introducing people to esports. And it was just, it was like, it was just such a small thing. I, I just enjoyed talking about it. I didn't realize at the time that there were so few people that were knowledgeable in the space. I, I really didn't think anything of my own opinion or, you know, it, my experience that was only a few years old. And then I just kept on, you know, grinding with that, doing a little bit of other sports too, but esports was still the main. And then the pandemic hit in 2020 and I colleagues, I got picked up or I got recommended to prize picks as a potential CSGO uh, Counter-Strike lines maker. And my own journey with them was, again, I was still very happy doing esports betting. I had professional partners around the world, nice network, you know, through Discord communities, Telegram communities and Twitter groups very in tune with what was going on. And my price picks detour began around this time last year when I realized that even though sports was back, the esports interest within our own product was not going to go away. And so I had some internal discussions with a few of, of you know the the my colleagues at Price Picks and discussed what would a head of esports position look like in the new year. What could we do to try to deliver to esports fans and you know actually make this one of the pillars of our business? And that has just exploded. Like we've had a hockey stick like growth through 2021. It's been. I mean, this is what brought me to you and to you know the gamers and many many other great esports entities in the space because we have seen firsthand the interest and we just want to continue to build our product. Uh, deliver, like you were saying, uh, ways to engage the, the esports fans. So my journey is like, I would say my my story in esports is still at like the five to 10% of where it will be. I, I intend to be involved in this area for quite a while. So even though it's been a few years, I still see it very much as like the starting point in terms of where my, my knowledge and understanding experience will be uh, a few years down the road. That's awesome. And you're moving, you're moving to Atlanta. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Flight was booked today. So I, you know, Canadian, I got to go home, see the parents, see the grandma, do the, you know, do cover those things first. And then, uh, you know, COVID permitting, uh, travel permitting, going to be going down to meet the team in, in Atlanta, who I still haven't met, which is kind of surreal. You know, I'm one of these COVID era hires, right? So still have yet to actually have a face-to-face with a single person who has put a, a, a wonderful amount of trust in in me and in our esports product, but got to do them the, the the service of getting down there and having some proper face-to-face meetings and uh, seeing where our, our esports product can go from there. Right. I love that. Yeah. It's so funny. Like I'm always surprised how like tall somebody is <laughs> you can't think that. or like what kind of pants they wear. Like, I, I know people from like, you know, the chest up. That's all I know people. Yeah. 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 No, that's, I was, I was on a a company call one Friday and I was in the car and I, girlfriend was driving just for anybody who's like, oh my goodness, you crazy loon. But I had the phone on the dash and someone like cars in the UK are just smaller. So someone was like, oh, like you look like you're six, four. I'm like, no. No, it was just the angle. I'm like scrunched into a car. So that's absolutely going to be the experience. If we were going to, oh, like 
you, you really don't have really very nice fish. Nobody's going to say that, but you know, that's where, that's what it'll be like meeting a person. It'll be like, Oh, you're not at all what I expected. So <laughs> I remember when, like, I don't know if you've met Jenna Johnson, who's at version one and rock. She's fantastic and hilarious. I mean, she's like a total fireball of insane energy. So literally I, I met her on LinkedIn. She reached out to me. She was interested in working in esports. I had her on my podcast, literally like did a call to action, like hire this girl. Like that's like the (laughs) the end of the thing. Like this girl, like hire her. She'd gotten laid off due to COVID. She worked on the advertising side, but she worked on MasterCard's activation of League of Legends. So she had like this one esports experience working directly with MasterCard. So anyways, fast forward, I had her like help me on some side projects, like some passion projects. She just was like, I want to learn from you, which was amazing. Like, that's the way to get into the space is just, hey, I will volunteer to help you on whatever. So she was like building out some decks for me and brainstorming with me. And I loved her. And I sent her over to Brett Diamond. I was like, this girl's amazing. You should at least just talk to her. They hired her. Wow. She moved to Minnesota, was still, she'd never been to Minnesota before. She moved to Minnesota having never been here before. And she like lived with me. I met her with like her car packed, but full of suitcases, having never actually met her in person. And she stayed with me while she was trying to find like the right neighborhood and waiting for her boyfriend to fly here. And it was so funny because two things, one is like, she was way shorter than I thought, which is like hilarious. And I, I don't have a good filter. So I was just like, Oh my God, you're so short. Like she probably didn't appreciate that very much. She's adorable. The other thing is you know, you like do zoom calls with people all the time. So I'd always like been talking to her on zoom or chatting with her on the phone or FaceTiming. And then the first time that like, she like got out to like, got ready to like go to the office. I was like, Oh my, she, her hair was all curled. She had like a whole face of makeup on. Like she just looked stunning. I was like, Oh my gosh. It's so, (laughs) it's just so interesting to see people in like a totally different way. You're used to going to an office for years and years and like putting your best face forward, whatever. And then like COVID hit and we were all like, who cares? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? When, when our, when people start going, when our office opened up in April, I remember the first time I saw uh, two different employees in the same frame of someone's laptop. And I was like, that was trippy because it was always shoulders up. And then all of a sudden you see so-and-so just walking in the background while you're having like a one-on-one meeting and you're like, Hey, you guys are all seeing each other every day, like having lunch, going for a drink, you know, whatever, working side by side. I'm still very much in like pandemic mode where I'm shut off in this office office attic, you know, from the world. So yeah, it's going to feel a bit for me because I've been working solitarily for my entire time over here yeah um, being like an outdoor cat becoming an indoor cat kind of thing you know like right right being trained on how to like interact with people and obviously keeping your voice level down I feel like that's something I'm really gonna have to work on we'll see, we'll see. Just <laughs> that's so funny well mm-hmm. I feel like meeting people in person like there's just I mean nothing beats that it, mm-hmm. like there's been people that once I've, once I've met them in person, I can I just feel like I get them more. Nice. Like I just totally like get them better. Okay. Well, you, the, I mean, even like disagreements I've had with, uh, cause remember I have not, I, I worked for a very brief time in office when I graduated back in you know, 2009, 2010, but otherwise I've, I've been like lone ranger through my entire twenties into my early thirties. And so 
dealing with disputes, like that was one that I had to learn very quickly. You're having a disagreement with somebody over Slack, your tone and sort of your mannerisms, all the things of human communication that are non-text-based, I guess, or not just literary, you need to be able to exhibit. And especially with myself, where I can say something very casually, you know, over a video call, but when I try to communicate it via Slack, it comes off as like, Adam's writing an essay, you know, which can be like very bossy or very instructional or, you know, come across as ways that I I don't actually intend. So I'm getting better at, you know, if there's a a disagreement on whatever small or big topic, you know, just hop on a call because even though it's not a face-to-face interaction, like you said, you get to know someone better, you know, in person, it's at least something that will allow you to convey your tone and it not being quite as serious or negative as maybe it came across via via text. Yeah, for sure. And I think like, I don't know, there's just something about like human connection, personal connection that you just can't, you can't replicate that. It's nice to have digital conversation, but you just can't replicate anyways. Let let me ask you something because you're, you're like both your kids are teenagers, right? My daughter's 21. My son is. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So on like, this is something that I would actually kind of like to know um, because esports betting, well, gambling in general around video games has done it. it, There's been poor regulation. It's been poorly monitored. There's been a lot of like black market sites. There's been a lot of, you know, unethical things by the owners with the way they stream it. Like, and, and unfortunately that's not like, it's not a, concluded thing like yeah. yes there have been lawsuits yes some of them have been resolved yes twitch has put bans in place but it's not something as though it's not as though it's indefinitely gone away so i mean your daughter is able to sports bet and play dfs if she wants is that something that you would be like if if she made an account at DraftKings or at prize picks you would be like you know and i guess i'm not really asking about your, your daughter specifically but because again you would know like my mom, if she found yeah. out that, you know, at 21, I was sports betting, she'd be like, mm. so generally I mean, speaking, I'm a is totally that something- different. I'm not the parent to pool. Like I, yeah. I wouldn't care if she had an OnlyFans account. Like, I mean, I am just like the kind of mom where I innately trust my kids. I let them make mistakes. I let them experience the world. I mean, Roman at 14 years old was was literally taking the city bus in like to the mall with his friends and, and like, well, he'll skateboard five miles away, even sometimes even farther than that to like go to a skate park. I have really taken that growing up in the eighties free range, be home by dark thing. And I just roll with it, you know, Roman doesn't have a bedtime. He usually gets up around noon, has breakfast like 12:30, showers, does his schoolwork in a couple hours, helps me with some things a few days a week on like research and discovery and stuff. And then, you know, goes to the skate park till 10, 11 o'clock at night, and then games till two or three in the morning. So I'm a very different parent. What I find is my kids make pretty good choices. They trust me innately. They share everything with me. And I know that if they're ever in a difficult situation, then they're going to call me and I can help them through it. You know? So I I would be like, totally, totally fine with it. Like Roman had downloaded an app. It's like a fake app. Mm -hmm. It's basically a simulator. It's like a stock market simulator. 
And so he was like playing the stock market last year, like during COVID, it was just like, what can he do to like find cool things? So, you know, he was making, he was making fake money, not real money um, and learning. learning Yeah. I think that kind of stuff is awesome. I think, I think as a parent, anything like I've heard horror stories and this is where it's just like really different, right? Like as a, so many parents are going and buying, what is the name of that thing? I can't even think of it now. You can buy them at Target. It's the little game. It's like a little card and you can buy all of the different games. It's like an aggregate of online games. Oh. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Oh my gosh. Maybe is, is, it, is it for like... Is, an is, S. Is, but you're it's not like, talking about like a, a handheld thing. You're talking about software. No. It's like, it's like literally has thousands and thousands of video games on it. And you like go to this one site and you can use the card and you can buy all these games and you can use it to like upgrade and in, in that kind of like in-game purchases and stuff. I can't think of the name of it, but like people are buying those for their young kids and they're buying either using it for Roblox and all these other things. And there's, there's so many in-game skins and other things that parents are allowing their kids to purchase and upgrade and upgrade and upgrade in the game and understand like, that the value of that. And so you hear of that all the time. And I really kind of feel like the fantasy sports thing is very similar to that type of a model, right? Like you're yeah. paying, you're paying for the experience. That's right. Yeah. That's actually our, our CEO has said that many times about our product. And I think gen, generally that's how sports op, betting operators frame it. And that's that also fits into responsible gambling and responsible gaming and, and how not losing your head because if you are you know addicted you know this is the negative mm-hmm. side of it or right. you're betting more than you can afford to lose that's not the model that we're building our business on you know right, right, um, right. there's one major operator i think it's kindred kindred group out of europe and they have the goal of having zero percent of their revenue come from a sports betting addicts by i think it's 2025 that's a fantastic goal and, and going back to you know what i asked you just about like your own experience as a mother with kids that could engage in gambling having that like very healthy if they communicate to me that they're you know it, it's out of control that they're you know playing with their rent money mm-hmm. they're they're stop there are things that i can help them to do that they can put in place to stop right. themselves right. as opposed right. to yeah. I'm just going to ban any form of gambling because it gambling bad, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and I think also like when you're raising people who are, have to self-govern themselves later, you can't hold everything from them and then expect them to be able to self-govern, right? Like yeah. Romans, Romans grades were really slipping towards the end of the school year last year. And you know, I just sat down with them and, and I was like, Hey, like, let's talk about this. Like, what are the things you think we can do differently and how can I support you and how can I help you so that you can correct that kids, kids are way smarter than I think we give them credit for. And to realize that these young individuals have been digital their whole lives. So withholding, and I've learned it just from making poor mistakes myself as a parent of like not not understanding technology or not taking the time to really understand technology as they're wanting to experience it and so I've been the parent who's like you can't have that and now I'm really understanding like they can they can handle it and they're you know Roman might be on TikTok a lot but 
He's also learned like 20 different ways to make ramen noodles, right? Like he's, <laughs> and he's practicing. <laughs> Seriously. That's so cool. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm laughing because that's such an ingenious way to try to engage with the technology that you find funny and hilarious and a good time waster, but also to make it something that might, you know, actually be useful for something. That's, I'm laughing because that's so Yeah, it's funny. And like, hilarious. he just changed the spark plugs on his car, which he can't drive because he doesn't even have his permit yet. He, he learned by watching YouTube videos and he like does all this research online. And it's like, you know, when they can prove themselves in those really smart, tangible ways yeah. and they show adulthood and then you, then you can, then I can continue to give more freedom. Yeah. And, you know, I, there's like Roman knows where I keep cash in the house and he always asks before he takes anything and asks and tells me what he's planning to buy, you know, with it. But you know, like he walked to the grocery store last night with $20 and bought a, bought a, a two liter bottle of soda, which he drank in one night and then like gave me my change right away. Right. So it's like, if you don't allow those types of freedoms that those, I think those are like the parents who get their kids rifling through their wallets. Right. Yeah. Trust yeah, kids. Yeah. I don't know where the, the money accidentally went to when I was the only one home. Yeah. And then you have that whole thing where it's, yeah, no, you're absolutely right about that. Well, and, and especially like with with gambling, because that's such a thing that people, when they're in a bad state, they they won't engage in, they won't let people know that they're doing it. You yeah. know, they won't let, it's not something they're doing with friends at a pub or, you know, all of a sudden becomes a very solitary activity, which is mm -hmm. the opposite of what you mentioned earlier in our, our chat, which is, this is such a good, you know, a, a way of, getting a fan base or a community to also find another reason to pull yeah. for this outcome, you know, well, it just comes down yeah. to like, for like, it comes down to really educating everybody, educating parents, being deliberate about educating them because, you know, the same parents who are going to be against their kids, even as their kids get into early adulthood, getting into sports betting or gambling or esports betting or gambling are the, probably the same parents who don't like their kids to play video games more than an yeah. hour a day because yeah. they think it's addictive. <laughs> right. So, you know, it's kind of like, they're not necessarily your target audience, right? Like you, you definitely need to, I think as an industry, as a whole, the entire collective gaming industry, which encompasses all of this, we have to continually make sure that we are educating people about the way the industry is evolving and how complex it is and all of the benefits and all these really great stats that come out from like MRI Simmons and NewZoo and, and these data companies, YouGov, they've got these really great stats that I think help parents really understand and wrap their head around like how gaming is an evil and how esports yeah. is bad, right? But at the same time, like we have to understand who our market is. Because you're not going to change everybody's mind. But I think we all have a responsibility to make sure that we're getting that message out there yeah. without Absolutely. an expectation that everyone's going to get it. You know, some people just aren't going to evolve very quickly. We, we created a landing page for some of our esports ads that went out this year. And on our FAQs, one of the questions that we had all year, like since the product was created was, is it easy to win money on prize picks? And I, I, I can't even remember what the previous answer was. I think it was something along the lines of it's it's easy to play the game, 
but it's not easy to win money. And I sort of just expanded on that because I wanted to make it very clear for even, sure, maybe everybody that will ever see our landing page will be 21 and up, even though you, you only need to be 18. Maybe they'll all be 21. But even that is still a younger mind, new with their finances, newly independent. And so what I wanted to do was even for that younger crowd, meaning 21 and up or 18 and up, say price picks, this is what I, I wrote down. Price picks, the price picks game is a lot like our biggest esports titles. It's easy to play, it's hard to master. You know, you're not gonna get and I expand on that, you're not gonna get rich from our game, you know, you're gonna have a lot of fun. Don't deposit what you can't afford to lose. Just plain as day in the FAQs on the on the exact esports landing page that we created, just so there's no misconceptions about what it is that we our purpose here. We want fans to come and play. We want you to win money and we want you to have a healthy attitude about it, win or lose. So yeah, no, that's that's part of the way I think that more sports betting operators will do well in engaging with the early 20-somethings that are sports betting for the first time. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's definitely the right approach is like be the initiator of that conversation, right? And acknowledge and educate. And are there like the future of this space? Is there, are there caps on like how much you can bet or how much you can keep in an account or like, is, is that part of regulating the addictive type of activities? So how I see limits, that's being proactive, being putting limits on somebody who is it already addicted or is already 10K in debt or 100K in debt, putting limits, it, it yes, it will decrease the loss, but it won't actually help. So how I see limits are for the people that want to have a healthy attitude and a healthy risk on a day-to-day or week-to-week or month-to-month, whatever they just, however frequently they engage in the site. Mm-hmm. If they if they implement the limits on their own, then th- they don't run the risk of, oh, you know, I had a bad beat and I should have won that play now I'm going to put $2,000 down over the next five wages instead of what I would typically put down, which might be 500. So yeah, it's, yeah, protocols like that. It's about, you know, just putting structure in place for people to have a good experience. It's not going to, if if somebody has, is losing their head with, with gambling, they'll, they'll, the, the limits on our site, they'll then just go, and blow it on poker or, you know, roulette or whatever. I mean, whatever it happens to be, whatever the vice is, right? Whatever. Exactly. I mean, I have a limit on my Instagram. I basically get a notification that's like, you've been on Instagram for 15 minutes today. Right. And I need that because it's one of the things where I get kind of, I get kind of sucked in sometimes, not so much anymore. I think like now I'm kind of stuck on like mom talk, TikTok, mom talk. Like I'm like stuck there where I will like, that's my, if I wake up in the middle of the night and can't fall back asleep, I do the absolute thing you shouldn't do, which is like freaking <laughs> hour and a half, like a zombie. But yeah, my Instagram, yeah. my Instagram was like a place where I was probably spending like an hour a day or more, just like, just blindly going through and like looking at stories. And so the 15 minutes is a good reminder. It doesn't mean that I'm going to necessarily completely stop for the rest of the day, but yeah. it usually gets me out of like a, pa- like, like a mental weird pattern. Yeah. I can get I can stuck put my in. phone down now. And if I want to come back to it later for 15 minutes, I, later, 50 more minutes, I can still do that. And it's some, that's, that's a great comparison to, to these limits. It's like, yeah, you can still come back and blow 
the same amount tomorrow if you if you don't have a good attitude about it but yeah. at least you're going to get that like cooling off period where you're like things yeah. are okay okay so nice go little... and do activities and i can go to yeah. work and hang out with my family and i don't need to you know be in front of my phone i don't need the dog to knock it out of my hand yeah, <laughs> as a phys- as a physical limit for res- restriction on yeah your phone time. <laughs> Seriously, he does that, and like if That's I'm adorable if, though, if I'm yeah. on my bed with my laptop, sometimes I'll just like get caught call caught up on my emails either really late at night or really early in the morning, so I like have a fresh day. And if I'm sitting there typing, he will like stomp like stomp his hand across my keyboard, and like he's like closed windows down. I'm like get out of here, but you know, whatever I digress. So prize picks, where can people find, like, where can people find you? Apple store? Like, where are you? Yeah. Apple and Google play. And we have a just web-based version of our site as well. And yeah. And and we're available in, I think it's about 70% of the States. I should have that list handy off the top of my head, but I don't. Oh, I do. Yeah. So Actually, there's too many to list. We're in most <laughs> of them, and we're in Canada. So, um, I love it. That, yeah, <laughs> I need to work on my geography before I get down there. By the way, I, you know, I'm I'm learning more all the time. I had no idea that Atlanta had such a huge airport that it was X oh my distance gosh. from other places. Basically, yeah. everywhere flies direct there. Everybody the goes direct to Atlanta. Atlanta's yeah. a major, major hub and a massive. I've slept in the in the Atlanta airport before. It was. It was not a great experience, but my flight was canceled at like, I was, I, it kept getting delayed and delayed. And by the time it canceled, it was like almost midnight. And then I was rebooked at six in the morning. Like, what do you do? You just sleep, oh, yeah, yeah. sleep yeah, in yeah. the airport. There's nowhere comfortable to do that. But I saw Andre 3000 when I was in oh, that airport. Yeah, there's a good the scene in the little place, tram together. I was like, whatever. That yeah. Was. It's, it's, uh, states, not provinces. That's right. Yeah, I know. So I, it's going to be interesting coming from Calgary or Edmonton, where like I still haven't figured out my living situation there. But I'll, I'll be leaving in November to go down to Atlanta. I'm going from polar opposite climates, really, um, like a foot of snow to like strong humidity. I don't know what, like, I don't know if my body's going to go into shock with that kind of transition over a 24 hour period of time. I think you'll be fine. I think because well, yeah, you're in Minnesota, you get cold weather too, there, don't you? you get oh, yeah. Yeah, we're we're farther north than Toronto in Minnesota in Twin Cities here. Okay, yeah, but I'm in Edmonton. I mean, Edmonton's like I know, I know. It's you the were most like northerly like, city with a million. Don't people you guys do like a major hockey something there every year? Like like a major major hockey thing. We do a few different. Do you mean the the Red Bull thing with the race, uh, the outdoor race where it's? No, you guys um, do that there though too. We used to do that yeah. here in Minnesota. Yeah, it's called the. What's it? You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like guys. Yeah decked out all in hockey gear but they yeah. start yeah and on then top they just, of like a gigantic hill and it's like yeah. this crazy crazy yeah. like like it almost looks like a child time. slide at a playground yeah. it's just like insane yeah yes. they do oh, that there. no i just thought there was like some major like global hockey competition that happened oh there's there. the brick there's the brick tournament that's, yes the brick. yeah that's that's yeah the, that's for minors um like yeah but that 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 brings like the best what 10 year olds 12 year olds from around the world i mean there's these kids from russia that come in for that tournament it's crazy yeah yeah no, that's, well, and it, they play it at like the west mall park or uh, west mall ice rink yeah was that the largest mall in the world right before mall of america yeah 
I think there's somewhere else building one larger than ours. So I don't, I don't even know if we're still oh, really? in the world. I don't know. I heard that, but. Uh, I, I actually have no idea either. I, I haven't been to that mall in probably a decade. It's like people list it as like an attraction, but if you go there, like there's a few interesting things in there, but otherwise it's like every other mall. Every yeah, other of course. Of, yeah. So uh, Edmonton has very few things to attract, but. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, we digress. I loved having you on my podcast yeah, for sharing fun. your smartness. Hey, I, I could talk about esports betting absolutely anytime, and I, you know, I, you, as you, you can see from my early answers, I will just kind of rant and rant and rant, and <laughs> I apologize for I like that. Your, but truly, I like truly, <laughs> I would be um, happy to come on anytime for a part two. So if somebody wants to connect just with you personally and learn more about like, how do they get involved teams, brands, individuals, how do they, how do they reach you? Twitter is good. My Twitter handle is lock L O C K E QWERTY Q W E R T Y. But email is also good. Adam dot booth B O O T H E at prizepicks.com. So yeah. And anything esports, esports betting related or DFS as well. I've done a number of you know, con- consulting for diff- different groups looking to get involved in esports betting. But yeah, happy to chat about it anytime. Love it. Thanks so much for, for coming on. We'll talk later. Thanks, sure. Rebecca.